Welcome to the Compass Church Podcast with Pastor Tim Jacobs, a ministry of Compass Church with your Arizona. Join us now as we look into God's Word to be challenged and changed. Good morning. How's everyone doing? Okay. I'll give you about the same grade as the 8 a.m. crowd. It's a little bit surprising for the 9.30 people. You know, I figured would be a little bit more awake, but whatever, it's fine. There's a lot of grace here at Compass Church. My name is Mike Cerati. I am uh, one of the pastors here, part of the preaching team. Excited to be with you today. Um, I need to kind of catch you up, perhaps. So if you're a first-time guest or a regular attender and maybe you've missed a week or two, we've had some kind of shifting going on, okay? So... Um, Two weeks ago, our lead pastor, Tim Jacobs, who is currently on vacation, enjoy um, Chicago, Tim, uh, he started this series called Faith Works. This is a series through the book of James, okay, so that was two Sundays ago. Last week, we had a guest speaker from um, our denomination, the Evangelical Free Church for America, came and spoke. Um, We sent out some church planters. It was really kind of cool. If you're like, what's a church plant? Like, that's a person who goes and plants a baby church in case you needed to know. but um, So that was a really neat thing last week, so, but it was a different message. This week we're picking up again in James chapter one. We're gonna be in verses 19 through 27. So if you have a Bible, go ahead and turn there. If not, we'll have verses up on the screen. But before we dive into that, I just wanna take a moment myself and wish all the fathers happy Father's Day. I know it's already been said, but from me to you, happy Father's Day. Um, really uh, very, very blessed myself to have an amazing dad and uh, blessed to be a dad, so I just want to wish that to you guys. Although, I, I did want to share this little thing that I, I had this thought as I was kind of preparing for this, so I was writing into my notes, I'm like, so when I was, when we were, for Mother's Day, I was on the stage as well, and I don't remember why, because I don't remember things very well, but that's beside the point. Um, I was up here, and, and I said, Happy Mother's Day, and as I was saying it, I had my peripheral vision up, waiting for the guy who went, <laughs> you know, that guy who's like, did he just say it's Mother's Day? Oh no, right? Because I, I, there's always that guy, not because you're a bad person, but because we're guys, right? But like, and I was thinking about for Father's Day, I, I'm gonna say this and I'm not, gonna, I'm not gonna have my eyes up at all because it's Father's Day, which means the women are in charge and you've been thinking for a long time. So I just, I thought that and wanted to say it because I thought it was funny and you know, there you have it, gentlemen. That's what we get, okay? So um, let's get back to the message. So in order to open things up, I'm gonna begin with a question today. Um, But before I ask the question, I want you to know I'm not asking this question to be overly provocative, like trying to get up here and be the guy who just goes, whoa, did he just say that? Um, This is actually a question that I started to think out loud as I read our text today. Okay, so here's the question. This is gonna apply to our, our message. Is there a way to read the Bible that does more damage than to you than it does good? Is there a way to read the Bible that does more damage to you than it does good? Now, I want you to see up there, the words are chosen carefully. This is not, a, this is not a, implying that there's a way to read the Bible that does all damage. No, there's always going to be some good. This is the word of God, right? There's something there. But the question is, is there a way to read it that does more damage than it does good? Now, in order to illustrate this, this kind of idea and this question, I, I, I want to kind of go into a fantasy land here for Father's Day for a minute. Okay, so fathers, I want you for a moment, and everyone else can participate too, but I'm aiming this at the dads, okay? Um, I want you to imagine for a moment that for Father's Day, your son, your daughter, your wife, someone hired a world-class chef, okay, to cook you an amazing 
dish, okay? And so you're sitting there, and the, the chef's coming out, and it's got the, you know, the silver platter with the dome, and they do the dome thing, by the way, so that you're like, ooh, what's in there? That's the suspense, right? There, he's walking out, and he sits in front of you, lifts the dome, and you're like, <gasps> right? Because instantly you notice that you have been cooked a Wagyu ribeye steak. And you're like, what's Wagyu? I don't really know. It's just a really expensive aged steak that you pay like hundreds of dollars for, okay? But it's, it's amazing. Never had one but I hear it's amazing, okay? This steak, and by the way, it's a ribeye, that's my favorite cut anyway, but this steak is cooked to perfection and next to it are your favorite sides and in front of it is your favorite beverage and it comes in front of you and you're sitting there and you're just like, oh, this is gonna be good. It's one of those meals and, and you're just sitting there and you're looking at it and you, you kind of start to study it, you're looking at it, you're smelling it, and you're just really taking it in. And it's so impressive that now you're like, I need to remember this. And you're looking at it, what does it look like? How does it smell? Where's the position of the, you know, the carrots or whatever, if that's your kind of side. Um, and, and you just take it all in, right? And you're just amazed by it. But you do not eat it. Strange twist here, I know, right? Like, in the end of this experience, you know the dish inside and out, but you never eat it. Did that meal do you any good? Would it nourish you? Would it be of any value to you? No. Why? Because you have to eat a meal in order to receive the nutrients from it. You could have a meal piled high in front of you, all the food cooked to perfection, and you could still starve to death. To be nourished by a meal, you have to eat it, right? The excellent preparation of food doesn't help you if you're not willing to pick it up and take it in. And many of us use the Bible the same way. We read it, we study it, we even memorize it, and sometimes we even apply it. We're convicted by it, I mean. But we do not take it in and apply it to our lives. And this is the issue that James is going to be addressing today as we read in James chapter 1, 19 through 27. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and pick them up. We're going to read our first section here. If you don't, it's up on the screen. You can read with me. 19 through 21 is where we're going to go first. Knowing this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear and slow to speak and slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness, rampant wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. So right off the bat, um, we've got this amazing text here. And, and I, I want to do this because this is important to me. I'm just going to show you real quick. You can confirm to the audience with a thumbs up. This is the section I just read. Is that highlighted? Does it have a little um, statement there that says, for me? Yeah, okay. So I, <laughs> before, I, before I knew I was going to preach this text, obviously you open your Bible to read it, and I was like, oh, I remember this one. <laughs> and this is for me. Like, I, that's what it says right here. And, and so as we get into this, I just love this right there, this first section, because it is so utterly and completely relevant for us today, is it not? Okay, so relevant. Everyone wants to be heard, do we not? This day and age, everyone wants to be heard. We're so quick to comment on Facebook, tweet or retweet about this or that because we profoundly agree or disagree and in all caps, we want everyone to know our opinions. Whew, that, 
It's true. And this reality has created a world today that has almost everyone on edge. You notice that? It seems like at any given moment, any person for any specific reason or non-specific reason, it doesn't matter, could very randomly at some point just explode, right? We have people walking around, everyone's angry, everyone's sharing their information, everyone's got this opinion or that opinion, we, and everyone's need to know, and if you're using exclamation points, and we're using big, bold statements, we're telling them, if you don't agree, then you're not, right? And you just, it's the world we live in. And right out of the gates, James is coming at us with this, be slow to speak, slow to anger, and quick to listen. Right? You're like, oh, okay, dang. It's the opposite of how many of us act today in the car, on social media, and sometimes face to face. And what James is saying, he's saying, slow down, take things in. Don't express yourself so quickly. In fact, what if we did this? What if we sought to understand before we're understood? Oh, and if that's... See what's next here. The anger of man does not accomplish the righteousness of God. I could sit, we could sit and preach on that the entire day. The anger of man does not accomplish the righteousness of God. This is insane. Maybe you're like me and you need to be reminded of this today, that your anger will not accomplish the righteousness of God, no matter what you're angry about. You can't argue with someone into following God's will. You can't rip people for their perceived immorality and then actually expect them to repent or turn it the other way. But we do this, and we do it a lot because we can hide behind a computer. And for the record, if you identify with any of this stuff, which obviously I do because it says for me, with a star, I forgot to mention there's a star there. If you identify with any of this, and I don't know, I'm gonna say it, you probably should, then you struggle with exactly what James's audience struggled with when he wrote this message. You see, I, I want us to make sure we understand this. The people that James are writing to are Jewish converts. So they are um, Jewish people who've been converted to Christianity. But they are, um, they're refugees. They're spread all over the known world because Rome has come in and conquered and, and sacked Jerusalem. And so the Jews are running for their lives and they spread all over the known world and they're refugees. So James is writing to this group. He calls them the dispersion, the people who are dispersed. So they're Jewish to the core, raised in the religious, Jewish, or religious um, religion and culture, converted to Christianity when Jesus died on the cross and rose from the grave. They were drawn in by that, but then they were spread out all over the known world. So James is writing them instructions. And because they have this religious upbringing, they, they um, had been taught all their lives to follow a works-based religion. Follow God's commands closely enough and you're good. And because of that, we have people who are very quick to look down upon and or speak and act in anger when others around them failed to display right living. They were very judgmental in many ways. Not too unlike our context today. You see that? And so James' prescription here is with meekness or with humility to receive or take in, accept or, and believe the word of God which will save your soul. That's the prescription. And you think, man, that's, like he said a bunch of great stuff and he, he closed it on the back end there, like receive and take in and believe the word of God. That's like a great sermon, right? But James isn't done. He continues. 
James wants to make sure that his readers know that while hearing the word with humility is in fact a good thing, it is not enough. Verse 22, he says, continues, but be doers of the word and not hearers only. It's clear that James has developed a concern that these converted refugee Jewish people were hearing the word but not doing it. And then he basically says here, if you're a hearer of the word, if you're hearing it, but you're not doing it, you're deceiving yourself. And the word for deceit here is to cheat or deceive by false reasoning. This deception comes from thinking that they've done all that's necessary when they've read the word or listened to it, when actually listening and reading is just the beginning. Someone to, like, what good have you actually done by reading the Bible just to check a box? There, I did it today. Give me the sticker. It's like I, we, need, we, we want that voting sticker, right? Like I voted today. I read today. There, I'm good. What good is that? This is a theme in James. He wants, he wants really th throughout the whole book, he's calling us to follow the word of God. He wants us to act on it. Why do you think that is? Well, I think it's because Satan is thrilled when believers pack out churches to hear the word of God and then leave and do nothing. And I think James knows that. And why is Satan thrilled? Because then he wins. He has a bunch of people who think they're doing the right thing, think they're living for God, who think they're righteous, but all they did was listen, no change, no real effect. Satan wins in this case because he succeeds in deceiving believers who are supposed to be living for God into doing nothing. You might be thinking, well, this seems a little harsh, Mike. Like, this is the word of God. Shouldn't, shouldn't we be talking about this with more reverence? Like, they've read it, Mike. That's important. Of course it is, but it's only the beginning. It's only the beginning. James continues here. He, he kind of addresses this. He takes it a step farther. Verse 23. If anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. Very interesting. It seems like James is doing an illustration here. He's trying to draw an illustration. So let's ask the question, what is the purpose of looking in a mirror? To see your reflection, is it not? You look in a mirror to see your reflection. This is what James is saying the word of God does. It reveals to us who we really are. He's paralleling the word of God with a mirror. When we look into them, it shows us who we truly are. The hearer who's deceiving himself then is like a person who sees himself in a mirror, walks away, and forgets what he saw and then reconstructs a good image of himself or herself. Let me, let me illustrate this, okay? It's funny, I wrote this last night and then it ended up being true for me today, which is kind of amazing. I love how God works. It's like waking up and as you're getting ready for your day, you walk up to a mirror, right? You walk up to the mirror because you gotta go in the mirror and go, oh dang, I need to work on that, right? So we walk up to the mirror and it's very, very clear as you walk up to the mirror, you're looking around and you're like, oh, that's a zit. True story. 
Well, right here this morning, look in the mirror, you're like, what the heck? I haven't had one of those in a while. Like, okay, right? So you look in the mirror, you see a zit, and then you're like, wow, the mirror has shown me that I have a pimple. Thank you, mirror. And you walk away and do nothing about the pimple. Do you see it? You walk away and do nothing about the pimple. But then, and if that's not bad enough, then you go away and you begin to forget about the zit. To make matters worse, you forget because you're walking around all day and you're thinking you look great because now all that you can see because you've left the mirror are the zits and blemishes on the faces of other people. And in comparison, you go, yeah, I look good, right? This is the person that James is describing. He's describing someone who's looked into a mirror, the word of God, has been shown his or her zit-faced true self, and yet walked away doing nothing about the zit. And they go about their day forgetting about how they looked, and they convince themselves that they look good. This, by the way, is the way that we read the Bible that causes more damage than good. Because when you use the scriptures this way, we become the only person on the planet who can't see that we are a complete mess. When you use the scripture this way, we become the only people on the person on the planet who cannot see that we are a complete mess. And why are we a complete mess? Because we're walking around thinking that we're better than everyone else. And remember what we said a moment ago about, it, about the Jews, we described James' audience. They were also, we said they were also very quick to look down upon and or speak and act in anger when other people failed to display right living as they did. And before you allow the thought into your head, well, that's not really what I do, let me ask you this question. Christians, have you ever read something in scripture or in a book and immediately thought, I need to make sure that so-and-so hears this? You're like, oh, dang. I do do that. I know, so do I. I said, do do. Such a youth pastor, oh my gosh, it's terrible. You see, when we read something that makes us say, oh, that's good, right? It's the, oh, that's good moment. You've had that, maybe. Do we not immediately think about who else we know that should hear it? What about you? What about me? What about us? Here's a moment of honesty. This is something that I struggle with especially in the context of preaching, okay? Because I love the word of God. Like this, this book, I love it. And I love even, even more sometimes to stand up and preach it because God put that inside of me. And I get so excited to preach this stuff because it is so good and it's my job to share it with you that if I'm not careful, I don't stop and say, Lord, what does this have to do for me rather than what am I gonna, how am I gonna put it out there so you change other people? So easy for me. James continues, we're not done yet. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. Let's define some terms here so we get the full understanding of what he's saying. Perseveres, the word in the original language there means to continue or remain in, to keep on doing. It's a word describing action. James is saying that it's the action that we take upon con being convicted by the word that improves us and changes us, not just the hearing. 
the action we take upon hearing the word of God. You see, someone who looks into the word of God and continues to listen to it, continues to engage in it, and has that, oh, that's good moment, and then immediately applies that to their own life, that's the person who's blessed. That's the doing that James is talking about. It's reading the word of God, being impacted by it. Oh, that's good. Oh my gosh, that's so good. And rather than allowing our minds to trail off to who needs to hear this, we go, Lord, what does this need to do in me? It's that person who hears and does it, who hears and applies it. It's that person who James is saying will be blessed. And by the way, the, the word blessed there, you can kind of translate it, improved circumstances. That's good, isn't it? Maybe you're having an, oh, that's good moment like I did two days ago. What is God gonna ask you to do with this in your life? Stop thinking about the other person you wish was here and start thinking about you. Let's continue. If anyone thinks, verse 26, if anyone thinks he's religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Why all of a sudden are we going from reading and doing, hearing and doing, to talking about religion? Why, why would we bring this up? Well, let's define some terms here, okay? So this, this term religious, if someone who thinks he's religious, in verse 28, that term describes someone who's good at the outward practice of their beliefs. So it's, it's focusing on someone thinks they're good at being religious. Someone thinks they're good at being a Christian. But they do not bridle their tongue. They deceive themselves. In other words, you're not good at it, even though you thought you were. In fact, James calls, takes it a step further and calls it worthless. And the term there, worthless, means being useless on the basis of being futile or lacking in content. In other words, your religion is useless. It's powerful, powerful stuff. Here's a good translation. If anyone thinks that God is happy by the way they live out their beliefs, but this person cannot stop their talking, cannot keep their mouth shut, not only are they deceived, but the way they live out their beliefs is useless. That kind of religion is good for nothing, James is saying. And then he continues on, talks about an orphan and a widow here. And a lot of times when people see this, good religion is this, or pure religion is this, that when we visit the orphans and the widows, we look at it as prescriptive. Like, like God just wants us to visit orphans and widows, and upon doing that, then we've figured it out. We've got it. But then it becomes just like, if we're not careful, it becomes just like reading the book, reading the Bible to check it off. Well, if I read my Bible, check that box. If I visit some orphans, I check that box. If I visit some widows, I check that box. Then I'm good. God's happy with me. That's not James's point. And please don't get me wrong, orphans and widows, there's a reason they're in here. 
we don't just look past it because that's not necessarily James's point. We really should look at it and ask the question, what, what have I done in this world? We're, gonna, we're actually having an opportunity today as a church at the end of the service. We're going to give you an opportunity to um, impact the lives of orphans or foster care kids. Here's what James is saying, though. The orphan and the widow are two examples of those who find themselves helpless in this world. So pure religion is this. Someone who's willing, who will willingly imitate their God by intervening to help the helpless. And this could mean those who are going hungry in the third world or, or in the inner city, those who are unemployed and penniless. It could be single moms, foster kids, those who are sick, and so on. These are the type of people that James is arguing as Christians we should be fighting for, the helpless in this world. And that's the proper expression of religion. You see, James believed that this is not the type of heart, or that this is the type of heart that would develop inside a person who doesn't just hear the word, but does it and applies it. How are you on that? Helping the helpless. Where's your heart on that? I'm not trying to say that if you haven't done it recently, you're this terrible person. I, you just gotta let the word of God sit. And in this text here, ladies and gentlemen, what James is telling us to do is help the helpless. How have we been on that? And if you don't like the answer to the question, then let it sit. That's what the word of God does. It's a mirror. It's showing you your weakness. And the challenge today is gonna be not just to walk out and go, man, I'm weak in that area. No, we gotta apply it. I've left one very important, in this whole text, I've left one very important word, sort of undefined, and I wanna go back to it right now. James uses this term four times, and the word that I've left undefined is the word. We should be not just hearers of the word, but doers also. What does he mean when he says word? What James is talking about here is a very specific part of the scriptures. The gospel. See, the word for word there is logos, and we see that word in John chapter one referring to Jesus. What James is saying is that we can't just be hearers of the good news of Jesus. We have to also do it. It's, it's not just the whole word, it's part of it. He's talking about the good news of Jesus Christ, the word of Jesus, the good news that God came to rescue us. We can't just hear that and do nothing. We've got to act on it. In essence, then, what James has been saying this whole time, what he was saying to the Jews when he wrote this book, and what he's saying to us today is this, and I want you to hear this, this is powerful. The type of Christians the world needs is one who is daily listening to and actively applying the gospel to their own life. The type of Christian the world needs is one who is daily listening to and actively applying the gospel to their own life. We're not hearing the good news of Jesus and going, oh, that was really cool. We're not hearing the good news of, and doing nothing. That's really cool and doing nothing. And we're, or we're not hearing the good news of Jesus and going, man, I wish Billy was here to hear that. No, we're asking the question, what do I need to do with this information? What do I need to do with the grace that Jesus has shown us? It's about me. And this is a powerful message for us in the church today. 
Here's why. We're really good at being church shoppers, Bible readers, worship music singers, sermon consumers, amen shouters, and Christian t-shirt wearers. We're good at that. But none of that, none of that is actually doing the gospel. It's just religion. It's outward. I'm not saying that if you've been transformed by the good news of Jesus and you come to church and you're, you're, you're singing and it's heartfelt and you're in the word and you're just really diving into it and you're wearing your Christian shirt because you're trying to, I'm not saying that it's never good. I'm saying that alone those things are useless. Because that's what James is saying. And this is our religion of today. But it makes us feel good to do it, doesn't it? We feel good when we do all these things because we've checked all the boxes and we've done what we're supposed to do. And with that feeling, that how good that feels, we convince ourselves that we're good, right? And then that little thought perhaps pops into our head like there's a lot of other people in this world who I'm doing better than them because I go to church and I wear the shirt and I sing the songs and I read my Bible. Check, 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 check. I could be doing worse. You see what's happening here is that either one of two things are happening. We're doing what the Jews were doing. We're either, putting our, we're either putting other people around us lower. We're viewing them lower because they're not doing the right living like I am. Or, and maybe even worse, we're not putting them any lower. We're just saying they're right here where I was and now I'm here. And we're putting ourselves above. Either way, we become quick to look down on other people who fail to display right living as we do. And so the danger today is exactly what it was back in James' time, that we begin hearing the word and not applying it because as we look at the rest of the world, we go, I'm good. The gospel's done its thing in me. When the pastor preaches the word, that's for the people who've never heard it before because I've heard it a hundred times, I'm good. So the danger for us is exactly what it was back in James' time. We look in a mirror the word of God, and we walk away upon seeing the mess of other people, and we forget what we saw in our own reflection, and then we reconstruct this great image of ourselves in comparison to the rest of the world. And so we stop listening to the good news of Jesus. We stop allowing it to penetrate our hearts because it's already done its job. Have you ever let that seep in? And maybe it's not overt, or maybe it's not just right out there going, I just don't need that anymore, I'm good, I I've reached where I need to be. Maybe it's just a little thing where every time I read the word, I think about someone else who needs to hear it. Or every time I hear the gospel, I'm very thankful that someone else was here to hear it or, hear it, or that there's a non-believer who, who's here and I'm gonna pray for them, but we don't let it enter our hearts. And this is not the type of Christian the world needs. A self-righteous, holier-than-thou Christian who cannot see what they've become because they've stopped applying the word of God in their own lives. How you doing so far? Be honest, this was a rough one for me. It's not the type of Christian the world needs. And the world can see it in us. We look fake and they want nothing to do with it. The type of Christian the world needs is one who's daily listening to and actively applying the gospel in their own life. And here's why. Because the type of Christian who daily listens to and actively applies the gospel in their own life will not stay the same. 
They can't. Because daily they will come face to face with a God who loves them so deeply that he gave up his throne to come down and rescue them from the penalty of their own sin. They will daily come face to face with a Jesus who got what we deserved so that we could get what he deserved. Because in the gospel daily, because of him, because of what he did, because of his love and his continual daily forgiveness, Christians will want to honor Jesus. Because of him, because what he's done, we will want to live our lives out for him. And what James is saying is the way that you honor Jesus is by intervening to help the helpless. And if you allow the gospel to work in your life, your heart will be changed to that end. And there are lots of forms of helpless in this world today. And they are all around you. It's that type of Christian the world needs. The type who reflects Jesus and his love. The type who looks into the word of God in a mirror and sees a blemish and allows the word of God to help them deal with it. If you're anything like me right now, you're going, oh, that's me. That's me. And if you're anything like me, you want to know what do I do now? I'm going to talk to the Christians first, and then I'm going to talk to those of you in this room who may not have a relationship with Jesus yet as we close. Christian, the first thing I want you to do, and this is very important, you can't miss this, is we need to repent. Repent means to confess and turn the other direction. Here's the deal. The word of God has been a mirror to us today, and if you're like me, you're in this room, you're going, oh man, this was for me. I have become that kind of Christian and I have either put people low or put myself up and I have thought the gospel had kind of done its thing and so I just kind of stopped letting it in. And I've become exactly what you're saying, Mike. If that's you, let's just do what the scripture says. Let's say, God, that's me. Say it, just in your own heart right now. God, that's me, I confess it. What was said here today has been a mirror. I now see the blemish and I, I recognize it and I'm sorry, God, I repent. And the beautiful part about Jesus, he goes, I already knew. And I've got you. And the grace of Jesus washes over us. Number one, repent. Number two, as you're reading or listening to God's word this week, I want you to listen intently for God to reveal an area of your life that needs to change. Open the book. Listen to a podcast, read a book, listen to a sermon, whatever you need to do, and when your heart is convicted, fight the idea that you need to tell someone else that truth and start going, what does that need to do in here? and then go for it. You can pray it in a prayer. It sounds like this, God show me an area of my life that I need to change and he's good at that. That's a dangerous prayer by the way. And it may sound something like this. I need you to stop sleeping with your boyfriend or girlfriend. I have a better way. I need you to stop looking at pornography I have a better way. I need you to stop being so angry at blank. I have a better way. It may also sound like this, I need you to start. 
figuring out how you can support the single mom that you know at work. I need you to start speaking in to the young man or young woman's life who needs a mentor because they have no father or have no mother. When you allow the gospel to speak into your life and you go after what is revealed with the, with the gospel, you will get a lot of start and stops. And as you go after them, with the grace of Jesus, and you listen, you begin to work on those areas of your life by his strength and by his power, he will change you, and when he changes you, you will develop more and more a heart for the helpless and those in need, who are all around you, in many different shapes and sizes and circumstances. So this week, I want you to listen, and I want you to apply And then I want you to do it again next week and the week after. Repent, listen, and apply. If you're in this room and you're not a believer in Jesus, I want to start by saying this. If any Christian has ever made you feel not good enough, I'm sorry. For all the Christians who've looked down upon you, I'm sorry because I've been one of them. And I know how that feels, because it's happened to me too. But I want you to hear something very, very important. That has never been the point of the good news of Jesus Christ, to make you feel bad about yourself. You do not have to be good to come to God, because God, Jesus, was good enough for you. You don't have to be good. In fact, that's the point. You can't be good. You'll never be good enough. Jesus is the only way for that forgiveness, for that removal of shame and guilt. And no matter how anyone has made you feel in your life, the truth is your sin will not keep him away from you any more than your good deeds will save you. You need Jesus. And his message has never been one of you are not good enough. His message is, I don't need you to be good enough because I am, come to me, I'll take it all. I want to read you these words of one of my favorite um, artists. She has a song, her name is Stephanie Gretzinger. Her song is Out of Hiding. There's two stanzas I want to read to you. Come out of hiding. You're safe here with me. There's no need to cover what I already see. Because I loved you before you knew it was love. And I saw it all. And yet I still chose the cross. And you were the one that I was thinking of when I rose from the grave. And that's his message to you here today. Come to me. Jesus is the only way. And he loves you with a deep and rich love. And today he is calling you home. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for this opportunity to share your word. And I pray for anyone in this room right now who does not have a relationship with you. God, I pray 
Lord, that the voices that they've heard in their past that implied that they needed to be a certain way in order to come to you, Lord, that you would drown out those voices. Because the truth is, God, none of us ever needed to be anything because you were enough. I pray for anyone in this room right now who does not yet have a relationship with you, God, that they would hear the truth of the good news that God loved them so deeply and so richly that he left his throne to come and pay the penalty for their sin so that they don't have to. He got what we deserve so that we could get what he deserves as God. And I pray that right now, if there's anyone in this room whose heart is beating, they're going, I I need you, Jesus, that they would know that it's as simple as that cry, I need you, God, forgive me. Forgive me for all I've done and make me new. And you are a rescuing God who comes and rescue anyone who cries that out. And Lord, I pray for all the rest of us, Lord, Christians who have fallen trap or pray to this idea that we've already heard it, that it's already had its way with us. God, we need the word, we need the gospel, we need more and more and more of it so that it can transform our lives because otherwise we become blind to our own foolishness. God, help us to apply this truth to our week this, this week. Help us to listen to you as you point out areas of our lives that we need to change and help us to trust you as we work to bring about that change. And help us to glorify you as we do. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thanks for joining us today. Why not ask God to change your life so you can go and change your world for him? To find out more about our church online, go to www.compasschurch.info and we'll see you next time.